This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. We've been teaching for a while on um, 400 Strong. Everybody say 400 Strong. For those who are catching up with us on your first time visiting, is a series out of 1 Samuel 30 about how David is raided by the enemy. And in the midst of it, David is very discouraged. The people who are lead, he's leading wants to kill him because they are frustrated with his leadership at the moment. Although every one of them were raided, David was raided, everyone in his camp was raided. It's really a story about recovery after disobedience. Now, many people in the body of Christ, even my friends and fellow brothers and sisters, we like to jump into 1 Samuel 30, and we don't like to visit 1 Samuel 26, chapter 26, 27, 28, and 29. We don't like to that. We just like to jump in to the good part. You know, it's like when a movie comes on, we miss all the storyline, and we just want to watch the comeback the last 20 minutes. But 1 Samuel 30 is really the comeback after disobedience. Is to come back after losing faith. The only reason that David is raided in the first place is because he's walking in fear and not faith. All right? And so we've preached and taught that it is the basis for who we are and what we're teaching right now. God wouldn't let me, as I shared with you, God would not allow me to move away from 1 Samuel 30. I thought it was just a message that I would preach one, two, three, four times. And the way that I am shaped as a person and my personality, I like new things, new sceneries. I can get bored easily. And so I don't want to bore myself, let alone potentially bore you. And so oftentimes, even today, even though I've been preaching over 30 years, even today, the Lord constantly reminds me, slow down. Go back to the lesson from two weeks ago. He constantly does that to me because he knows that I'll go on to the next thing. But he often slows us down to make sure we're getting the lessons. He's done this in this series. He's told me that the world has been through so much that you have to spend more time teaching on recovery and restoration. This is just not a four-week series, Pastor Joe. He says to me, this is an assignment that I'm telling you to pursue until you recover all. So I don't really have any cutoff date on this 1 Samuel 30 and this Pursuit 22. Because you know what's going to happen in January? It's going to be Pursuit 23. Because God began to tell me that people don't overcome by three messages. You know that by now, he tells me. You've preached before and people only made an inch of progress. And it's not that you don't desire to make progress, but sometimes it takes you are intricate being and I've taught that this year you are intricate being you have spirituality you have sensuality and you have sexuality all three made by God none of them made by the devil all of them made by God that you are spirit being that you are sensual being and that you are a sexual being all made by God we ain't got to cover our ears like this is the devil talk God made the body God made the organs God has a purpose God put all these things in order and it's only the enemy who comes in and perverts what God has put in order the devil has never been a creator all he has been is a perversion of creation 
God is the creator and God put all these things in purpose and we must understand and God began to tell me how to bring our lives under control. He keep telling me, slow down. Everybody don't walk as fast, as fast through recovery. Everybody ain't not as quick to change. Slow down. Because when you slow down, you show my love. When you slow down, you show my patience. When you slow down, you show that I'm kind and I can walk people through what they're in. He said, stop going so fast. So I am settled, I guess, pray for the pastor, that I'll be on here until I start seeing what God wants in recovery. This 400 strong is a change of life. Last week, as I talked about 400 Strong, I talked about leadership on last week. My focus was leading in tough times. I used the pandemic and I used the story of the disciples on the boat with Jesus. That Jesus gave them an invitation to go to the other side and they had no idea that the invitation also included a storm. We didn't understand that the invitation to get on the boat to go to the other side also included some things we could not necessarily prepare for. And it was going to require our faith. And I began to talk about leading in tough times on last week. As a part of my message, I care that this church doesn't miss one of the phrases that I said in my message. It's important to me as a leader so you understand the vulnerability that I have in this season. I said that God spoke to me and I had a conversation in my meditation time with the Lord. And the conversation went like this. Pastor Joe, you led this church through its earliest beginnings. You helped establish a board of directors. You helped establish different ministries. You were the leader through those years. But the question remains, can you lead this church now? You were the leader then, but can you lead now? Can you do it? Do you have the courage to lead now you had the courage then but things have changed since 2008 when we started things have changed since 2010 life has become different I told you when the pandemic happened I actually wanted to go home and wait till the pandemic was over didn't want to preach in the pandemic I had to learn how to preach with a camera for the first couple of months it was very uncomfortable I didn't even get feeling of satisfaction my first couple of messages because no one was in the crowd to give me a nod no one was here to say amen just like you've done I appreciate you no one was here and I had to be on assignment in a tough time giving a message through a camera have to look on my phone hope that you were there hallelujah looking for so and so and she ain't seen him ain't seen her this is tough time I hope we here to encourage each other because the only way we gonna make it through is we unite and help other people pull through and I'm looking for people and I don't know where they are I wanted to quit and God said you ain't quit now you know what you gonna do and I said God we got all these great leaders in the church I'm gonna pass it on to one of these good preachers I always got somebody that's ready to preach you know there's always somebody sitting in the audience just been waiting for a mic toss you know what I'm saying I say hey this is the time for God said this ain't no time for the mic toss this is a time to get in the front of people this is the time to hold your head up and lead with courage and boldness and I begin to talk about the vulnerability that I felt as leading this church and even in this season right now I feel more vulnerability to lead us into a place that we've never been before 
And today I want to begin to talk about a new part of the 400 wrong, 400 strong series. And so uh, if you understand series similar to uh, a sequel, y'all know about sequels, you know, they start with one part and they come with a sequel, all right? So I'm in 400 strong and then I'm going to be teaching for the next couple of weeks on living a clean life. Everybody say living a clean life. All right, that's what I'm going to be preaching on for the next few weeks is living a clean life. But my focus today to start it off is, this is my focus, living a clean life starts with coming clean. Living a clean life starts with coming clean. Coming clean. First thing I want us to understand is that God has called us to live a clean life. No, you've been called as believers and as Christians, uh, you, you, you have been called to live a clean life. Now, I know some of us grew up in the old school and we got saved because the revivalists preached a heaven or hell message and we didn't want to go to hell. So you came to the altar with crocodile tears and you gave your life to Jesus because you didn't want to go to hell. But after that message, you got to live life. After that message, you didn't go to heaven. You didn't die. So now you got to live life and figure out how you're going to maintain the Christian lifestyle until Jesus comes. That's the challenge of all Christians is now we got to figure out how to please God and how to hold on to our salvation until he comes. Now, I don't know about you, but I try to be the most honest pastor that I can be. But I tell you, I had to fight for what I first received for years. I had to fight now some of you ain't never had no fight, but I almost quit this thing a whole bunch of times How are you gonna be that ain't gonna be you that's you but my testimony is I almost quit God a few times a few times I almost quit church they almost it's a difference some of y'all been there I didn't quit God but I quit church have my church experience have my church circumstance and I decided oh, I'm gonna love God but I'm sure not gonna love his people and I'm not gonna be gathering on those Sunday mornings and I'm not doing none of that kind of stuff they can have it I was in leadership and I told myself they can have that stuff I'm done with that all I'm trying to tell you is I've had to fight for my confession. I had to fight to say that Jesus is Lord of my life and I had to fight. I'm not trying to get you to understand that this walk in the Lord is an easy thing. Matter of fact, I want you to understand when you've been invited into salvation, you've been invited into the army of the Lord. You've been invited to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. And we've learned we have to fight and stay strong in order to obey what we're called and charged to do. We have been called to clean to a clean life. We have been called. I want you to understand that's our first aspect. I want you to understand it's a calling. We've been called and summoned by God. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. It means that God don't desire no dead Christians. What I mean by dead, I'm not talking about physically dead, I'm talking about boring. 
God wants you with enthusiasm. God wants you with all that energy you have for everything else. God don't call you and you get over in Christ and you dry as everything else like a desert. God don't want you to be excited about everything else in life, but when it comes to the things of God, you just are dried up and bored. No, a living sacrifice, meaning somebody who is lively, alive, into what they're doing, enthused. Come on, the worst thing to do on a Sunday morning is to gather in a church with a bunch of Christian hostages. <laughs> when nobody is happy to please the Lord, everybody, I'm saved and I'm just upset about it. I'm saved and I got to please the Lord and I don't, and that's the worst place to come. You done went through work all week, done faced all type of challenges and you come to a Sunday morning church and everybody there is mad about pleasing God. They are held hostage. They want to get out as soon as possible. He has called us to be a living sacrifice. Here's the criteria. Holy. Say holy mean whole. I said holy mean whole. Holy means whole. H-O-W-H-O-L-E. W-H-O-L-E. Holy means whole. Alright. When he says he called you to be holy, he's actually calling you to be whole. Because it's impossible to live holy without being whole. Or some type of way. If you're not whole, you're going to find a way to be unholy. Because life has cravings. And if Jesus ain't satisfied you in that area of your life, you will search that thing out. Life has vulnerabilities. And if Jesus hadn't fulfilled and solved you in that area, you're going to find a way to displease him. So he wants us holy, acceptable under God, which is your reasonable service least you can do so that since God has saved you the least you can do is serve him right now I know certain people feel like you can serve God any which way you feel like I said on purpose any which way I know some people feel like you know God saved me now I'm just gonna give a bunch of junk to God and guess what he ought to be happy he better not say nothing to me. I done went to church twice in one month. I never went to church twice in one month. Do you understand? I ain't never. And God ought to be doing cartwheels because I done showed up for two months and I almost went to prayer. If you're not careful, you'll get arrogant in your reasonable service. The least you can do for a God who plucked you out of the hand of the enemy is give him a lively sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reason on your basic service. You ain't even in the overpool. You're not even in the overdrive. You're not in the bonus round. You're not even in the surplus when you're just doing that. Holiness is the minimum requirement. If you can't sing a song, please them with holiness. The Bible tries to say that even in the book of Corinthians that if you have all these gifts but have not love, you're like sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. So you can be gifted as all get out that nobody can sing. You can sing thrills around everybody. But if you just as mean as a witch, if you just mean as a witch, God don't say, ooh, I just love her mean, gifted singing self. Ooh, when she get up to sing, I just love when she sang. Ooh, I ain't never seen somebody who can sing like that and then cuss people out. this thing. He has summoned us to a clean life. Number two, verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the 
So don't let the world change you because the world will try to change you. The rudiments of the world, the lifestyles of the world. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to change your mind. See, where the mind is changed, then the body can follow. That ye may prove what is that good. See, you'll never prove until you change your mind. You're going to always be in conflict with what God's called you to do until you change your mind. Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want you to know that we have been called, say, called to a clean life. Go to 2 Corinthians 7, 1 and 2. I'm still working on my first part. Call to a clean life. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 and 2. I'm going to prove it to you that you're called in a clean life. I'm going to give you word and give you scripture. One of the things about when you're teaching righteousness and holiness, and the Holy Spirit has really spoke to me about, it's important to teach scripture on it. Because many churches have really caused legalism in the church because they don't teach scripture. And so we've called holiness a long dress or a black and white suit. And we got people in black and white suits ain't a bit holy. We got people with long dresses ain't a bit righteous. Because we've called it based on an outer thing and not an inner thing. But it's an inner thing that works on the outer thing. But it's an inner thing first. All right, it's an inner thing first. I didn't want to say it wasn't an outer thing at all. Because somebody was happy when I said, oh, it ain't an outer thing. I told you. <laughs> it should come on something on the inside. Working on that. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm. It's gonna have to get out sooner or later. Now, I'm okay that God is just doing an inside job right now, getting your mind right, getting your thoughts right. But sooner or later, that thing gonna have to come on out on the outside. All right. All right. You know there'll be them people looking for that kind of stuff. They don't think God. They don't think God will mess with your, your, your the way you dress. They don't think that God. God, God don't care nothing about what you you wear. God don't care. Are you, are you kidding me? If God didn't care, this is what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna go. If God didn't care about what we wear, why all us got on clothes in here? Make no sense. God does care. It does care. Everything ain't supposed to be shown. There are certain things to be covered up. That's man and woman. I ain't preaching on just women. I'm preaching on everybody. It's everything to be covered up. Everything ain't supposed to be seen. We got to learn discretion. Everything discretion. Yes, sir. Corinthians seven. I'm just teaching. See, we like that gospel that don't change nothing. You know, that kind of gospel. You know. All right. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 through 2. I'm just read verse 1. I won't read verse 2. Verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved. Look how he talks to us in scripture. Having these promises, dearly beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Hmm. Flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So we're called to a clean life. He's called us to this. This is what we have to learn to do is learn how to live a clean life. We're called to it. I want to read 1 Samuel 15 first. 1 Samuel 15 chapter first. 
I'm going to read it and I'm going to teach from it and I may go to the next verses. I told you I have quite a few scriptures, but I'm being nice. God is helping me. First Samuel 15. I'll start there. I want you to see this in a story, what God really requires of us. This is the meat of what I'll say today, and I'll just go as the Holy Spirit leads. First Samuel 15, I'll be reading. And Samuel also said to Saul, Saul, Samuel, who's the prophet, is talking to Saul, who's he's anointing to be king. Samuel said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to thee, sent me to anoint thee, to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus said the Lord of hosts, talking to Samuel, talking to Saul, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. So God is saying, look, look now, I'm anointing you, Saul, because I'm anointing you because I remember. Listen to how God talks when he often gives us an assignment. He's talking to Saul and saying, Saul, God is anointing you to be king over Israel. Now here's your assignment. I remember how Amalek waited in the cut. Waited in the way when Israel was coming out of Egypt. Don't you know when you're coming out of something, you're tired? Don't you say when you're coming out of a battle, you've been fought and through, you're just exhausted? God says, uh, uh, Saul, I need you to get ready to deal with Amalek because Amalek is an enemy of Israel. When Israel was weak and coming out of Egypt, here's what Amalek did. They waited and they waited in the way and came up from Egypt. Now go smite Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and spare them not. Everybody say instructions. Saul gets instructions for assignment of God to carry out an assignment because God was getting vengeance on the enemies of God. Destroy all they have, spare them not. Both slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, oxen and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people and numbered them in, in Talim, 200,000 footmen, 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley, just like the enemy did him. And Saul said to Kenites, go, depart you down from among the Amalites, lest I destroy you with them. So Saul saw the Kenites, people, and said, you better get out of here. I'm going to spare you and give you mercy, but the only way you're going to get it is to get yourself away from the Amalites. Lest I destroy you with them, for ye show kindness to all the children of Israel, which came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havaliah until, until thou cometh to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and of the lambs, and all that was good, and would not only destroy them, but everything that was vile, and refused, things that were for waste, didn't look good, they, that they destroyed utterly. Alright, so everything that didn't look good, they destroyed it. Everything that looked good, they kept it. Then came 
the word of the Lord unto Samuel the prophet saying it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king for he has turned back from following me and have not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord all night let me pause to say many times as leaders as ministers as preachers as Christians God entrusts us to do what he's called us to do and the worst thing we want to do is grieve the Holy Spirit Saul has now grieved the Lord and grieved the prophet of God in a place that he used the word it rep he repented meaning he wished he can turn back setting him in motion giving him leadership over the people giving him influence because now he's not following the commandments of the Lord what we don't want to do is what Saul is doing wrong we don't want God to say I wish I never gave them influence I wish I never pulled them out Look how they behaving now that I've saved their life. And look at them. Look at them now. They, look how they act. They act like they can't follow my instructions. And when, verse 12, and when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Cam Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place, and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him blessed be thou uh, listen to Saul blessed be thou uh, of the Lord I have performed the commandment of the Lord and Samuel said what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears I hear sheep I hear a whole lot of sheep all night long I kept hearing sheep I didn't know what that is what that was and the lowing of the oxen which I do hear and Saul said they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed let me pause to teach some more number one Saul when you are in the wrong, if you're not careful, you don't please the Lord, you put on a fake show for the Lord. No, you ain't up to par. No, you ain't doing what God told you to do. No, you ain't living the life that God told you to do. When you're asked about how you're doing, like Samuel and Saul, he said, blessed are thou, man of God. I'm doing fine. How are you? Then he said, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And I'm going to say, lie, lie, lie. <laughs> How in the world you performed the commandment of the Lord when the instructions were kill everything, every fatling, every cow, every ass. He said kill and, and all it'll destroy everything. How you can come back and then tell the man of God, I did the commandment of the Lord. There's something about displeasing the Lord that makes you hide and lie. It's human nature. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the first thing they went to do is hide. And you know what? God didn't ever tell him to hide. Your sinful nature starts to hide. Your fleshly nature starts to hide. Your flesh kicks in motion after you sin and now you go high and like you up to Paul. God said, Adam, where art thou? And we learned that when God talks to Adam, when he's high and Adam don't even say where he is. He says his next voice, his next response in Genesis, it was the woman you gave me. I didn't ask you about Eve. 
I didn't ask you. I mean, are, are we having problem with comprehension? See, it ain't that you ain't intellectual. It's the fact when sin nature gets kicked in and disobedience, we immediately start to hide from what God called us to do. He tells Adam, where art thou? And Adam says, it's the woman you gave me. Now, how does that answer what I asked you? I asked you, where are you? But many times in our wrongdoing, what we also do is start pointing the finger at other people. Don't look at me, God. Look at them. God, don't bother me because I know people worse than me. I may disobey a little bit, but I sure don't disobey like the rest of them. Cool, they are terrible. Ooh, they terrible. I may sin a little bit, but I don't sin like that. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Not me. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I'm scared of God. I may send money to. I may send money to Wednesday, but boy, by Friday night, I start thinking about Sunday morning. Saul comes in there putting on his performance. I come in. The command was to kill everything that was an enemy to God. Everything. Clean it all up. Don't leave nothing. Don't go through there shopping. So, ooh, let me look at that. Mm, yeah. Look good. Look at me. Put it in the bag. Oh, that looks good. Put it in the buggy. Put it in the buggy. Put it in the buggy. No, he said anything attached to the Amalekites utterly destroyed. And the worst part of this is they kept the leader of the Amalekites. It's one thing to destroy the people of the Amalekites. But if you keep the head, the head will produce a body. If you keep the head, the head will get back over. Sometime in our life, we keep going back into the same circumstance because we don't deal with the root of the matter. We won't get rid of the head. We keep the head there. We get rid of the fruit. And then expect the tree not to grow again. We look around, what's wrong with this tree? This tree don't produce more flesh. Now, what is up with this tree? Because all you did is went and picked the flesh off the tree. And when I came look at the tree, I said, Woo, that tree look holy. Woo, that's a holy tree. Because all I saw is branches and leaves, and I didn't see no flesh. The fruit was gone. But give it a few more seasons because it stayed in the ground. That tree bears what it's going to be. Because they kept that tree in the ground. The next thing we see fruit again. This is what the sin of Saul was that he disobeyed God and kept the king of Amalekites. Thank you, mama. <laughs> Verse 16, and Samuel said to Saul, stay. I will tell you what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said to him, say on. Samuel said, when thou was little in thy own sight and was not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. You remember that? When you were nothing and God picked you out, called you to do something for him, you didn't know your purpose. God made you something out of nothing. Talk to you. And it's a privilege to be used by God. I don't care what you say. It's a privilege to be used by God. I don't care what nobody say. I'm just glad to be picked. I'm honored to be picked. I don't get carried, get occupied because he could have picked somebody else. He could have chose somebody else. He could have had mercy on somebody else. Tell somebody you've been picked by his mercy. You've been. He could have chose somebody else. He could have. He could have saved somebody else's life. He could have brought somebody else out, but he decided to bring you out. He said, "You remember those moments when you were nothing." 
Yeah. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go utterly destroy the sinners of Amalekites and fight against them until they all be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord? But this fly upon the spoil, this evil in the sight of the Lord. What are you doing? He's saying. Saul said unto Samuel, yeah, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. Listen to this. Let me tell you something. If you're not careful, you're going to justify everything God told you to get rid of. You're going to justify it. I always give my story. So I'm, I try to be real tangible to you guys so y'all understand that I had to give up something to really please the Lord. I always talk about R&B music because I love R&B music and nobody going to hell per se for R&B music so you can relax. And so, um, but I loved R&B music but I also loved the R&B music that wasn't no good for you. Because the R&B music I listened to always got me in the sin and, and situations. So I had to give up that R&B music. And I don't know how all y'all single folks ain't married and stuff like that can be listening to all this single R&B strong music talking about love you up, down from the toe and, and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. Y'all, some of y'all special Christians. Y'all can go in fire and don't get burnt. Y'all could be among smoke and don't smell like nothing. Y'all special to me. I don't even understand it. I don't know. Me, I have to remove myself. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all just special to me. I just, I just wasn't that special. So I had to give up something. I always tell the story. I was really into that R&B music. It was really funneling a life of lust in my life. It was funneling. I mean, it was feeding that lust left and right. I mean, I was battling left and right. And that R&B music was a main thing God was trying to clean up in my life. And I had, I'm telling you, I had strong R&B music. Strong stuff. You know what I'm saying. I ain't going to sing none of the songs today. I ain't taking you back nowhere. I know them all. Don't play with it. I know them all. Verses, vamp, ad-libs and all. Don't play with it. And I had a big stereo, no little stereo. I had one of them stereos where the speakers was this high. And it was in the rack with all the things going down. And you ain't saying nothing. And I would take my stereo and the speakers and put them on the outside of the house. I'm talking about ghetto. Hallelujah. Put it on the outside. You ain't saying nothing. Yeah, I don't know nothing about that. I'm telling you, I was fighting to live a clean life. I'm Christian too. Don't play with it. I was saved. And I know this ain't this ain't this ain't BC. This ain't BC. This ain't before Christ. No, I know I know everybody want to talk about before. This is after. This AC. I didn't want to give up the things God was requiring me to give up. I would tell a story. And I'm gonna keep telling it. And I had I had tons of R&B CDs. Tons. Matter of fact, you know how when you have a collection, sometimes you just get them all and just go through. Yeah. Ooh, just, mm, ooh, that was a good one there. <laughs> had all my music. God was calling me to clean it up. I was getting called in the ministry. God said, "You got to give up this stuff, Joe." Uh-huh. I'm like, God, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Oh, help me give it up. Because you got to pray when you don't want to give it up. Oh, see, he ain't saying nothing. See, y'all be acting like y'all want to give up something. That's why you fake and you're phony and you're taking so long to give it up because you acting like you don't want to give it up. I was one of those persons that, God, I don't want to give it up. I ain't want to give it up. So I said, Lord, I don't want to give it up. And God said, give it up. I said, all right, Lord, I got the strength to do this. And I put all those R&B CDs. And you know how it is when you're trying to hold on to something? What you do? Like CDs, you make copies of them. 
God said, don't you make no copies? Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all act like y'all not human. I put all them CDs in that garbage can in my apartment. I put them things in the garbage, and I knew what time the man was coming to get the garbage from the big thing. I could not sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night. Went in the apartment garbage can. Slid open the door. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It got a door on the top and a door on the side. I went in that thing. Say what you want to say. You can just look at me, act like you ain't done nothing to please your flesh. Act like you ain't done no crazy stuff to please your flesh. Act like you ain't been no places to please your flesh. You can say what you want to say. Just look at me for the day. I'm testifying. It's okay. I went inside that garbage can and looked around and found my CDs before the garbage man came and went back in the house only to give them up another day. I'm trying to tell you that God comes for everything. That displeases him. Not some, I said God comes from everything. And God is trying to raise up a people of God who are holy. God's trying to raise up a people of God who serve him. And I already said it. This is not no call for old people who tired. This ain't no call for people who don't live your life. No. God is calling you at 15. God is calling you at 18. God is calling you at 20. God ain't calling you when you're 30 years old. And I done did what I wanted to do now. God wants you now. We got everybody trying to live for God when they 59. They done lived for the devil, have their life. And I don't want to give God his leftovers. I'm, verse 21, but the people took the spoil. I want you to also listen how Saul is talking to Samuel. We already said he's hiding and he's lying. Y'all see that? I obeyed him. Now watch what else he's doing right here. Verse 21. But the people took the spoil. Sheep and oxen, the chief of things, which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. Now did the Lord, did the Lord ask for sacrifices? The Lord didn't say, go in there and see what you can get to please me. The instructions was not to save stuff so you can offer it as no sacrifice. But the flesh is creative. The flesh going to wiggle and worm and try to find a way to do what it wants to do. See, that's why the Bible says, put no confidence in the flesh. The flesh is a worm. It's going to wiggle and try to find its way to something. God didn't ask them for, no, ask them for a sacrifice. But I want you to also notice that Saul as a leader is now passing on the buck of responsibility to the people. Yeah, we went over there, but you know, the people, the people wouldn't do right. Yep, you sure right, you sure right, you sure right, you sure right, Samuel. The Lord did say that. I mean, I did my part. But he throws the people under the bus. <laughs> Look at this. And say it was the people who did this, knowing that he the leader. 22 and Samuel said, Hath the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Which is, which, which was God delight more in? Us coming to church, which is an offering and a sacrifice, or obeying him when he tells us something to do? Which one? Because burnt offerings wasn't a bad thing. God did require them at times to give offerings and sacrifices. So this is not about a decision of doing something wrong. He says, all of these things are right, 
But the primary thing God wants to you is obedience. If God is telling you uh, to go to Nineveh, that's where he wants you to go. You can't decide you got an assignment somewhere else in Tarshish. Because God, I don't like Nineveh. You want to call me to Nineveh? I really don't like Nineveh. That's Jonah the prophet. If you never read about Jonah the prophet, it will baffle you to read about the story of Jonah the prophet. It's, a, it's a really a story of disobedience, but also a story of depression. Both of them. Disobedient anger and depression. Because Jonah don't want to go anywhere the Lord tells him to go. The Lord saves the fish for him, put him in the fish. All that kind of, he says, yes, the Lord, the Lord spit him out on dry land. He goes over to Nineveh and preached the gospel to everything. They fast. They made everybody fast. Nineveh made everybody fast. The cows, the animals, everybody. Nobody could eat. Because God said he was going to destroy The king said, I don't care what you say. The prophet doesn't come. And we going to, they changed their life. God turned it around. And the prophet Jonah went up and sent under a juniper tree. Went back in depression. I'm telling you, if you're not careful, you'll be trying to have your way instead of God's way. You'll be trying to tell God what to do. Don't you know there's some Christians, they're mad when God has an assignment for them, but they always got an assignment for God. They always got, they want God to do something. But when God is telling you to do something, you ain't interested in nothing God says do. But anything you want from God, we send God anywhere. God go to the grocery store. God go to the hospital. God go to the jailhouse. God go to my job. We send God like an errand boy with an apron on for him to go do everything we want him to do as if he's a puppet on a string we hang him over places God do this and time God tells us to do something huh what you say I ain't hearing him I thought I heard the Lord but I ain't hearing him yeah behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 23, for rebellion is as the sin. Now I'm going to break this word down to help you today. It's the sin of witchcraft. Constant disobedience and rebellion of God is the behavior of a witch. It's the witch is somebody who wants something through illegal means. That's what a witch does. A witch doesn't want to follow God's righteous way of God having God's righteous things. It wants to have God's righteous things without God's righteous way. That's a witch. Obedience causes you to walk in disobedience causes you to compromise. Everybody say compromise. To compromise, be disobedient, and be rebellious against God, and you are behaving like a witch. Because you want to be blessed, but not God's way. You want to be blessed your way. And stubbornness as is as the iniquity and idolatry. Now, we don't make stubbornness cute. Oh, we don't make stubbornness cute. That Will had a nerve like, yeah, I'm stubborn just like my daddy. Yeah, all my mama, my, my mama's sister, my grandma. We made stubbornness cute. We talk about stubbornness like it's a wonderful attribute. You know, I got it honest. Because my great-grandmama's stubborn. Shoot, all the Smith girls, all the Smith girls, all love stubborn. The Bible says stubbornness is as iniquity. And idolatry. A stubbornness means you're going to do it your way no matter what. Stubbornness means when God clearly say green here, you're going to say it's yellow. 
God say it's red, you're going to say it's blue. Stubbornness is the refusal to change, no matter how much we have proven to you that it's changed, things are different. You're going to put your heels in the sand and you say, I ain't moving nowhere. Ain't nobody can make me. Nobody can make me do nothing. I'm stubborn. Ain't nobody can change. Your whole family waiting on you to change. This is stubborn. Everybody, children crying out for you to change. Wife crying out for you to change. Stubborn! I'm going to do it when I get ready. Not even when I see change. Because see, some of us change when we also see signs to change. You know what I'm saying? We see signs like, oh my God, I'm affecting other people's lives. Let me change. I see the impacts. Oh, let me change. But stubbornness, I don't care what I see. That's y'all fault. I don't care. Stubbornness ignores everything, ignores warnings, ignores. It's just refusal to move, refusal to obey. God comes after rebellion, he comes after witchcraft, and he comes after stubbornness. I don't want you another day to walk around bragging about how stubborn you was because your mama was stubborn. I want you to give up that stubbornness. I don't want you to brag about another day that you take long to obey God and you act like disobedience is cute. And compromising is cute. That it's okay to compromise. He says it's as iniquity. That's an inside thing. So stubbornness, see, that's why stubbornness is so hard on people. Because it's an inside thing. You can give them all the outward signs to change and they never change because stubbornness is an inside thing. Stubbornness is actually the idolatry of serving yourself. Meaning, I'm going to do it because I want to do it. I, if I feel like it, I'll do it. If I don't feel like it, I can do it. Because see, real life, a, a, a relationship with people, you don't always do stuff because you feel like it. No, you don't just do stuff because you feel like it. That's a child who decides they're only going to take out the garbage when they feel like it. And like my daddy would say, well, let me help you feel like it. Since you only work on how you feel. My daddy said, well, let me help your feelings. I think I can convince you that you want to take out the garbage right now. That's what stubbornness is. It's the serving of oneself and not serving anybody else. I don't care what nobody say. You are, you are, some, you are something else. We don't care what nobody say. Nobody say. You that stubborn. Nobody can affect your mind. Nobody can affect your decisions. People don't talk to you till you blue in the face and you still don't make changes. People don't cry crocodile tears or how your life has impacted them for the negative and has bothered them and you still ain't gonna change. You walk away, I'll think about it. That's our inside job. God is coming for an inside job to clean us up. I got to finish because thou hast rejected the word. Listen to how God handles Saul. And we pray that God never handles us this way. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, thou hast also rejected, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now the sad thing before we get to verse 23, Saul can't go around talking about God wasn't merciful. God was merciful. From the time Samuel started talking to him about why, why do I hear bleeding sheep? That was time, that, it, was time, it was time to give it up. Oh my God, I'm caught. There's just certain people when you caught, you just still acting like you ain't caught. You just as caught. You just as caught. You just as caught. Adam and Eve is naked, and they know they're naked because they put on uh, fig leaves. And they still walking around. God, we fine. How you doing? 
God said, I see all I know. There are people that after you caught, you still acting like you're not called. There was mercy given to Saul, and Saul would not relent or repent. He keeps going in his conversation with him, and Saul now is blaming the people. Stubborn. God said, I rejected thee because I didn't obey my voice. Verse 24, and Saul said unto, and Saul said, and Saul said unto Samuel, here it is finally, it was after, but he said it. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now that's a real thing now. There are times in our life we compromise because we're afraid of what other people are going to say. You'll be amazed if I took a poll, how many people not pleasing the Lord because too afraid of what their friends going to say. Too afraid what people are going to say. Oh, that's a real thing. Don't act like adults don't still have peer pressure. Oh, get out of here. It ain't just a kid thing. There are adults who are still pressured on fitting in in life. And if they're good enough to fit with this crowd, there are certain people every month they go buy something they can't afford because somebody else looked good in what they was wearing. No, that like pressure don't affect you as an adult. There are adults who are still struggling and standing for themselves as well. Even as Saul, who's the leader here, he's telling the truth. He actually feared the people. He didn't stand up in obedience because he feared the people. Some of us will not live for God, will not clean up house, because we too afraid to show that we different. I remember getting, I got saved when I was a teenager, guys. I didn't get saved when I was an adult. I got saved when I was a teenager. And my greatest challenge was after I got saved. See, I got saved on a weekday in the midst of a revival, and I had to go to school the next day. I went to school one day, I was a sinner, and went to school the next day, and I was a saved Christian. And I got quiet because I didn't know what to present to none of my friends. Because yesterday I was a hellion, it was. God changed my life, and here I am trying to figure out how I'm going to behave. My conduct got to change. I can't do all that crazy stuff I was doing in high school no more, and I'm walking around quiet for three days. Holly ain't talking to nobody by myself. Finally, one young lady who go to church herself said, oh, you think you slick. I said, excuse me, what? You done got saved. I said, huh? Yes, you did. You done got saved, y'all. Joe done got saved. I told everybody. It was out then. So I've been watching you all week. You ain't been acting the way you need to act. You ain't been doing that stuff. And I can't say, what's going on with him? She kept asking, what's going on with you? I'm like, leave me alone. Fine. Mind your own business. She said, I know it is. You done got saved. Woo, you done got saved. I know it. I know you saved. She just cut up. Because I was having that transition of telling people I'm living a life now. Be surprised how many of you under the sound of my voice are still having a challenge. Showing that you got standards. That you got convictions. That you're not, you don't go with everything. You don't, you don't actually believe in doing everything. That you actually got standards. So I don't want you to overlook Saul's a challenge here that he feared the people and he avoided their voice. Real peer pressure. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, he says, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I'm closing, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. 
And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle. Samuel turned around to walk away. Saul laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle. And Samuel said unto him, at the moment he grabbed the skirt of Samuel's mantle, which is his garment, the Lord had rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day. He used it as a prophetic sign that when he grabbed his skirt, he has rented, he ripped it from you. He has taken it out of your hand and have given it to a neighbor of thine. Listen to this. I'm going to end here and I'm going to pray. That is better than thou. Now I pray God never does any of us that way. And here's my point, and I'm closing. He uses better than thou, because he's saying the one that I'm going to raise up, it's not going to be one that don't have challenges and struggles, because we know David's story. If you know David's story, you can't say David is innocent. But he says better than thou. He says one who's going to fight through all the things in his life to please you. That's why David is known. How can somebody as simple as David had be known as one after God's own heart? God said, now I didn't say, God said David is a man after my own heart. Because it means that no matter, even if David did displease the Lord, David wasn't going to stop right there. David said, I'm going to get this thing right. David said, I'm not going to keep sitting around here acting like I wasn't in it, I didn't do it. Hold Psalms 51. I was going to close with Psalms 51. You can write it down. Where he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me. He says, that's why God told Saul, I've chosen somebody better than thou. Not that David didn't make mistakes. But David refused to allow mistakes to be his ending. Today I want you to understand God is calling us to a clean life. And it starts with us coming clean. We have to come clean like David had to come clean. We have to come clean that there have been some things God has asked us to do that we have not done. We have to come clean that there have been some ways about us that God wants us to change that we have not changed. A clean life starts first with coming clean. There's no way to be clean without coming clean. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you and join us again.